Nothing like talking about death and martyrdom and being handed over before you even had your first cup of coffee on a Sunday morning. It's like happy resurrection day to you too, Jesus. It's like good to hear from you. The truth is we're all living in the midst of a great drama in our life. It's a dilemma. Some, somehow it's a drama of the heart because we are all social animals, meaning that there is nothing more important to us in life than to be socially acceptable, than to know ourselves as loved by those around us who we care about. St. John Paul II once wrote, man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible to himself. His life is senseless. If love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he does not participate intimately in it, his life is senseless. So we cannot live without love, but therein lies the rub, the dilemma. Because when we bear witness to Jesus Christ, to his truth, it immediately carries within it the potential to separate us from those we most love in this world. The proclamation of truth carries within it the possibility of rejection, of separation, of division, even of hatred. Hence Christ's words today, you will be hated by all because of my name. So we're made for relationship, we're made for love, but the truth has the potential to destroy the very thing that we long for in life. That is the drama we all face every day of our lives in a way. And there's a powerful movie scene from the movie Outlaw King, came out like last year, Chris Pine. And it's about a Scottish king who's being overrun by English lords, right? And at one point he's very in love with his wife, but they steal his wife and bring her back to England where she came originally. And in order to break his spirits, they're trying to make her sign a declaration of nullity to divorce him, to show, show that she's abandoned him. And she has her parents in this cell where they've been keeping her for months. And her parents are begging her to sign. And the, the Prince of England is threatening her with death if she refuses to. So she has a choice to deny her spouse and save her life, remain faithful to him, even at the cost of losing everything. And it's a really powerful scene because she's crying, she's shaking, and they're actually taking her hand and trying to force her to write her name on this declaration of nullity. And at the last second, she drops a pen. Says, I can't do it. I can't refuse who I am. I cannot deny my spouse. Well, in a sense, we're all facing a similar drama in our life. So often we're put in positions in this world where we have to choose between fidelity to Jesus Christ and his gospel at the cost of being rejected by this world or to betray his truth in order to maintain our relationships with those we love and the aspirations that we have, be it family, friends, co-workers, or in our jobs. To be faithful to Jesus Christ means to be set apart from this world in a very specific way. And that's why Christ says, you will be hated by all because of my name. Not exactly the best selling point of the gospel. It's like, if you come after me, you'll be handed over by relatives, by parents, by brothers and sisters, by your friends. 
Some of you will even be put to death. But hey, not a hair of your head will be destroyed. Dude, you just told me I'm going to die. It's like, yeah, but you won't go out on a bad hair day. And I was like, that's a gospel promise. We've got to own that. Why does Christ refer to close relationships, though? Why does he talk about family and friends? Well, because who cares about being rejected by a stranger? It's not the strangers, the people I don't know in this world. They're not the ones who tempt me to betray the truth of Christ, to compromise his gospel. It's the people I most love in this world who aren't living according to that truth. They're the ones that continually tempt me to break down the truths of what I believe in order that I can maintain the relationship with them. Because we'll sacrifice everything we have in order to maintain the love of those we most care about in this world. So why St. Augustine said that for all the time on this earth, there's only two cities, the city of man and the city of God. And those who belong to the city of man are those who love this world so much that they're willing to sacrifice their relationship with God in order to maintain their relationship with it. And the city of God is composed of those who love God, who love Christ so much that they're willing to sacrifice their relationship in this world in order to maintain it. The city we belong to is determined by our love. And our love is expressed in the truth that we profess with our lives. That's who we choose in the end. The one who truths we obey. And it's that very proclamation of Christ's truth in this world that can lead to martyrdom, to be handed over, because we express a truth that is not in line with this world. That's why Christ said to his disciples the last night before he left, if you belong to the world, the world would love you because the world loves what is its own. But I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world will hate you. Do you know what they used to call the Christians in the first century? The first Christians in Rome? When they were putting them to death in the gladiatorium stadium by the hundreds? They called them haters of mankind. Because they refused to go along with their morality of the immorality of Rome. Haters of mankind. In the 18th century, when the French Revolution broke out, thousands of Catholics were put to the guillotine, all labeled with the same name. Enemies of love, who preached a gospel of hate because they refused to profess the same truths as the world around them. And it's that hatred of the world that so often tempts us to compromise to break down our truths, to break down our borders of what we know is right. And it's a very slow process that makes us afraid to stand apart. And it's like, do you know how a predator works? Someone who's trying to take advantage of you emotionally, physically, financially, whatever. What they do is they'll push you until you get uncomfortable. And you'll say, stop. And they'll back up and they'll wait. And they'll come back and they'll push you a little bit farther until you get uncomfortable. You say, stop. And they'll back up and they'll wait. And they'll keep doing that over and over again until little by little, we begin to break our borders. It's the same way sin works. It's like, how many couples, you go into a relationship and you say, we're not going to have physical relations before marriage. 
And then at one point you go a little too far and you wait, you say, wait, stop. That was too far. We got to back up. But now you've gone that far. So it's that much easier to go back there the next time. So you do in time and you go a little bit farther this, this time. And you say, wait, that was too far. We need to back up. But now you've gone that far. And so you can keep going farther and farther until little by little you break down your borders and you say, well, it just happened. Well, rarely in life do things just happen. It's a slow corrosion of our borders. And it's the same thing that can happen in our faith in this world. It's exactly how compromise works on us. It breaks us down little by little till we no longer stand apart. Like you don't actually think that the Catholic church is the only true church. Like with all those denominations out there. Like you don't actually think that Jesus Christ is the only savior of mankind. And that we only go to the father through him. I mean, with all these religions out there. Like you don't actually believe in hell and mortal sin, right? Like with a loving God. Like you don't actually believe that contraceptives and divorce and same-sex unions are wrong or sinful, right? I mean, that's so antiquated and politically incorrect. And little by little by little, we begin to compromise our faith, our truths, what we have always believed, so that we no longer stand apart, so that we fit into the rest of the world. And then our religion just becomes about love. Every religion just becomes about love. Well, honestly, who's ever going to hand us over for that? Who's going to be martyred because they were true, too nice of a guy? Every time you look at the crucifix, you think about the price of speaking the truth. It brings conflict. And I'll tell you personally, there's nothing harder in my life as a priest for just a year and a half. There's nothing more difficult than preaching the truth. Because every time you preach the truth, it carries within it the possibility of losing the relationship of people you've come to love and care about so much for so long. Especially when you come from a background like mine where I have like 1% of my friends are Catholic. But that's what Christ warns about false prophets. I think about that all the time. He says, beware of the false shepherds those who care more about saving themselves than the, the goodness of their sheep. So they preach a gospel that's in line to the world so that they never stand apart out of fear of the wolves. That's the temptation. To blend in the, with the world so we no longer stand apart. And that's why Dostoevsky once wrote, the truth is what redeems the world from hell. Because it's lies that turn the world into hell. And every time we participate in lies, we participate in the slow degeneration of our world and of our church. And every time we stand up and we speak the truth, we have the potential to participate in the redemption of the world. It's through the power of the truth. Have any of you ever heard of Alexander Solzhenitsyn? Yeah, all right. So he went into the gulags, 20th century. He was a diehard communist, but got sent to the, the gulags in northern Siberia, 40 below most of the time, 
constant near starvation in a in a forced labor camp. They used to eat clay in order to make themselves feel like at least they were full in the camp. But he went in and he hated all religion. It was the opiate of the masses. But he came out a converted, authentic Christian. And you know what converted him there? It was the witness of the Christians. Because he said in the communist system, everybody knew that there were things that were wrong. But no one said a word. Because if you spoke up against the system, you would be X'd out immediately. So everybody was going along with lies. Yes, but the Christians refused to compromise their faith, their truth, regardless of the consequences. And he said it was the most powerful thing that he had ever seen in his life to witness people who knew when to say no and wouldn't back off from that no. He would write in his Gulag Archipelago, the Christians knew very well for what they were serving time, and they were unwavering in their convictions. They were the only ones, perhaps, to whom the philosophy of the camp did not stick. And this witness of theirs not only amazed him, but it made him look at his own life to ask the hardest question he could ever ask while he was in the midst of that gulag in northern Siberia. In what ways did I betray my own conscience? Did I do what I knew in my heart was wrong? But I did it anyway. That led me to where I am now. And that's when he acknowledged his own guilt. That he himself participated in the lie. That time and again he compromised his conscience when he knew something was wrong. So he said, if I ever get out of here, how can I live differently? What will I do so that I never participate in this again? I never add to the evil that I've seen around me. This is how he concludes his book. You can resolve to live your life with integrity. Let your credo be this. Let the lie come into the world. Let the lie even triumph. But not through me. Not through me. He resolved never to lie again, regardless of the consequences. And to bear witness to the truth, we must let go of the consequences, or else we'll always find an excuse to compromise our faith. So as Shakespeare said, the coward dies a thousand times before his death while the valiant die but once. Because the coward will betray his own truths over and over and over again so that he can live another day to get by. And when he ends up at his death, deathbed, he ends up there an empty shell of a man. And each time he lied, another piece of him died inside. And that's the drama of our life. It's a drama of the heart and it's a battle that I believe is not against our culture. It's not against our government. It's not against society. It's not against flesh and blood. It's a battle that is raging within each and every one of us within our own hearts. It's a battle of love, of fidelity, of loyalty. Who I most love in this world 
will determine the truth that I profess with my life. To be willing to sacrifice this world and all my relationships for Jesus Christ and his gospel. Or to be willing to sacrifice my relationship with Christ so that I can maintain my relationships with this world. That's the drama. And God knows how difficult that sacrifice is for every single one of us. And he never asks us to do something that he himself isn't willing to do first. The gospel demands a total gift of ourselves, body and soul. And for that reason, in every single mass we come to, he makes of himself a total gift of himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So that every time we hear those words, this is my body given up for you, and we take him into our own flesh, that his words might echo within every single one of us. And this is my body given up for you too. Only love can inspire love. Only a total gift of God of himself can inspire us to make that same sacrifice for him. Because we cannot live without love. We remain beings who are incomprehensible to ourselves. And our life is senseless if love is not revealed to us. If we do not encounter love, if we do not experience it and make it our own, if we do not participate intimately in it. And nowhere is that encounter more palpable, more comprehensible, more revealed than every single time we receive the Holy Eucharist. When you receive him, experience it, participate intimately in it, make it your own. And when you go back into this world after this mass, resolve to live your life with integrity. Let your credo be this. Let the lie come into the world. Let it even triumph. But not through me. Never through me. For I am Christ. And he is mine. And nothing and no one will ever separate me from his truth. Regardless of the consequences. <laughs>